Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We're starting a new series today called Forgiveness, God's Master Key. Now, when we say the word forgiveness, I bet we can all think of someone who should come and ask us for forgiveness. We've all been offended before. We know what that's like. But what about when we need to forgive? Well, that's a bit harder. And what can be hardest of all are the times when we need to forgive ourselves for the things we've done. In this series, Pastor Nicole is going to share why forgiveness is so important. And we'll see that forgiveness isn't about making someone else feel better. The power of forgiveness is found in what it does for us. So let's begin our series. Here's Pastor Nicole. Well, I was reading this story this week. Thomas Edison, he invented something that we all use every day. What is it? A light bulb. You can say that more confidently. A light bulb. All right. So he made this crazy contraption called the light bulb. And the story goes that he, uh, it took a whole team of men 24 straight hours, no sleep, to put just one together. And so uh, Edison was finished with one light bulb, and he gave it to this young boy who was a helper who nervously carried it up the stairs, step by step by step, cautiously, right, watching his hands. He did not want to drop such a priceless piece of work. And you can probably guess what happened. The poor young fellow at the very top of the stairs dropped the light bulb and it shattered into pieces. And it took the entire team of men 24 more hours to make another light bulb. I don't know if they thought if they slept, they might forget, (laughs) but they just said, we're going back at it. And they made another light bulb. And finally, tired, exhausted, ready for a break, Edison was ready to have his bulb carried up the stairs. And he gave it to the same young boy who dropped the first one to carry it again. And that, my friends, is true forgiveness right there. That is true forgiveness. We're starting a month-long series on forgiveness today. And at the end of the series on August 3rd at 6 o'clock, right here in the sanctuary, we're going to have a special night of forgiveness. There will be worship, testimonies, a special activation that you won't want to miss. So plan to come. Bring somebody with you. It's going to be a really incredible time. You won't want to miss it. So as I have been thinking about forgiveness, I want to start us in Matthew 24, uh, where Jesus is sitting on uh, the top of Mount Olive, and he's talking with his disciples, and he's describing the end times to them. And if you've been here for a few months, we've been talking about the end times, we've been talking about how there will be imposters who claim to be the Messiah, there's going to be earthquakes and wars, and nations are going to rise up against each other, tensions are going to build. But he says in verse 10 something really important. He said that Jesus says, many will turn away from their faith and hate and betray each other. And so Jesus predicts offense. He predicts that believers in families and in churches and in friendships will offend each other so deeply that they will hate one another and they will betray each other. And this is a sign of the end times that we will become an offended people. Greek word for offend is scandalon. That word originally referred to the part of the trap uh, to which a bait was attached. So if you set a mouse trap, what do you put in the mouse trap? Cheese or peanut butter or whatever you can find, right? Because you want the mouse to come and get in the trap. So Jesus is saying, if you are breathing, okay, if you are alive today, you will be tempted to be offended on a regular basis. 
As politics gets more tense, more chances to be offended. Can I get an amen from anybody in the room? Facebook, social media, the more time you spend on there, the more offended you are probably going to get. Can I get an amen for that? Anybody else out there like me? As America becomes more polarized, as as these issues become more in our country, as the end gets closer, there will be even more reasons to become offended. You will not have to look very far, and the scandalon will be set. The trap is out there. And when we allow ourselves to get offended, we walk right into the trap. We walk right into the scandalon. We eat the cheese. We drink the poison when we are offended. I want to show you in Luke 17, Jesus, he's talking to his disciples again. And he's saying, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. And even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. And the apostles say to the Lord, oh, increase our faith. Increase our faith. It's amazing to me. The disciples had watched Jesus raise people from the dead, heal the blind, do amazing miracles, and never once does it record that after those displays of faith, they say, oh, give us more faith to do this. Give us more faith to believe it. But when Jesus says, don't be offended, Forgive easily, forgive often, the disciples reply, oh Lord, (laughs) increase our faith. It's as if they were saying, how can we do that? This is going to be very tough. This isn't going to be natural or easy. We need more faith to forgive people that much and that often. And when we meet people that don't ever seem to be offended, if you meet somebody and you're like, wow, they just... They don't ever seem to be offended. They must have an easy life. Let me tell you what. It's not because they don't have circumstances in their life that warrant it. Unoffendable people choose not to take the bait. Unoffendable people are on the same social media feeds you are. Unoffendable people are live in the same country you do. But unoffendable people choose not to take the bait. And so as I'm talking about forgiveness today and as we go through this whole month, I want you to think about it for yourself. Where have you taken the bait? Where are you in the trap of offense? Because they're everywhere. They're out there and they're everywhere. You know, the Bible has a great deal to say about forgiveness. Actually, Christianity is primarily about forgiveness. That's what Christianity is. And this is really important for us to understand and to activate. First, God comes down to us with the gift of forgiveness. We have a sin problem and God has a solution. And the solution is Jesus' death on the cross that offers each of us forgiveness. I want to show you in Ephesians 1.7. It says, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So once we have that forgiveness from Jesus, he expects us to extend it to each other. Now this isn't the optional part of the journey. It is required. Once we receive forgiveness, we have to extend it. Jesus told this story about forgiveness that makes it all very plain. Uh, How many of you, sometimes when you read the Bible, you feel a little confused by it, or you're like, I need someone to help me understand. There's a lot of parts in the Bible like that, but this is not one of them. (laughs) This one's so plain and simple, don't even try to like come up with a different interpretation, okay? Jesus just means what he says here. 
And this is what he says. Uh, the story is found in Matthew 18. And the apostle Peter comes to Jesus with this question that I think all of us have from time to time. And somebody had done Peter wrong. And that same fellow had done it again. And Peter forgave him. And then he did it again. And Peter forgave him. And then he did it again. And then Peter got mad. <laughs> you know, Peter was human, okay? And Peter was thinking, what in the world? And he comes to Jesus with this question that I think we can all understand. He says, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? You know, Peter wanted to know how much he had to take before he was allowed to fight back. How much until he could say what was on his mind? How many times before he could write this guy off forever? I love Peter. Um, he asks the Lord a question, then he answers the question before the Lord can answer. You know, he's like, okay, well, I have an answer for you, Lord. Let me just tell you. How about seven? Seven a good number? It's like he's throwing, you know, shot in the dark. How about seven? And, and I was thinking about this story. I was putting myself in this for a moment. And I thought to myself, you know, to be perfectly honest, forgiving someone seven times, that's kind of commendable. I don't know about you, but I get kind of frustrated when somebody does it twice, you know? How many times do you say to your kids, if you do that one more time, you know? I mean, you're just frustrated when someone does something to you twice. By human standards, Peter said like an enormous amount. He says, forgive a man seven times. He wasn't trying to insult the Lord. In fact, I think he probably thought this is pretty extravagant. Yes, true. And he wanted to put a legal limit on forgiveness, he wanted a number, as if he wanted to say, okay, uh, I'll forgive seven times, and then Jesus, you'll back me up, right? <laughs> like, no more Mr. Nice Guy after that. And, and Jesus says, okay, wait a minute, in Matthew 18, 22, he says, I tell you something, it's not seven, Peter, good guess, <laughs> but 70 times seven. Now, 70 times seven is 490. I did that on my calculator, not in my head. I won't, I'll not boast in my mathematician skills. But Jesus is saying here, listen, Peter, here's the point. You can't count the number of times you forgive someone. Like, it's not supposed to be counted. It's not supposed to be something you calculate. Forgiveness is unlimited. And by the time you've forgiven someone 490 times, Christ's point is this. You've gotten into the habit of continual forgiveness. And I think this is Christ's entire point. Jesus wants us to be in the habit of continual forgiveness continual grace giving. After all, that is what the Father does for each of us. Continual forgiveness, continual grace giving. And if we are to be like Jesus, that's what we have to put on. You know, when I think about the answer Jesus gave to Peter in context of my relationship with God, when it comes to someone else, it's difficult for me to think about forgiving others over and over and over. But when I think about this in context to my relationship with God, I am overwhelmingly thankful that God doesn't put a limit. It's not seven times I can screw up and he still loves me. It's not even 490 times. I can't even put a limit on what God does. I'm overjoyed that this rule is 70 times seven for my life. How about you? I mean, are you so thankful that God says there is no limit to my forgiveness? My grace, my well of grace never runs dry. You'll never get to the point where you sin so much I don't wanna see you anymore. I mean, hallelujah. And so God is saying, this is who I am and so this is who you need to be. And then we rewind to John 17, the disciples, oh, increase our faith. How are we going to do that? And Jesus says, I'm going to help you with that. And so another really clear example 
of forgiveness, uh, when we look at the account of Jesus, is actually at the cross in Luke 23. And I want to just look at this moment uh, today. On the day that Jesus died on the cross, many people played a part in that day. Just imagine with me. Um, There were the religious leaders who were jealous of Jesus. They thought he threatened their power and their authority, and so they, they hated him. There was Judas. He was a very close friend. He was a disciple who deceived and betrayed the Lord. Uh, There was Pilate, a weak-willed governor who tried to wash his hands of responsibility of the crucifixion. Uh, Don't forget Herod was there. He ridiculed and mocked Jesus. Chief priests and teachers accused Jesus. Um, There was a large crowd of visitors that insistently shouted. They'd never met Jesus, some of them, but they shouted and demanded from the crowd, crucify him, crucify him. There were Roman soldiers who who drove the nails through Jesus' body and into the cross. They cast lots for his clothes. They mocked him with their cruel words. And then there was us. There was you and, and there was me and there was all of humanity because it was our sin that was responsible for Jesus being led to Calvary and crucified. And I got to thinking about all the ways that day people hurt Jesus. The government hurt Jesus, the, uh, his close friends, his acquaintances, strangers. Um, physically, he was hurt. Mentally, emotionally. He, he experienced all the offenses possible in one day. And there was no one else who suffered such terrible injustice than Jesus. No one else had, has had a greater excuse to blame others and cry out, this, this isn't fair. This isn't right. But what does Jesus do? What do we see that Jesus does in the face of all of this betrayal and deception and pain? He prays, and this is what he says in Luke 23, um, 34. He says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And Jesus, he walks in this personal forgiveness toward all those agents of his suffering, and he asks God to forgive them too. He says, Father, forgive them. It's such a powerful prayer. This prayer said genuinely opens the doors to God's healing. Father, forgive them. Do they deserve it? No. Did they hurt me physically? Did they hurt me mentally? Did they hurt me emotionally? Yes, but Father, forgive them. Maybe even when you don't feel like you can, you pray to the Lord, Father, you forgive them. I'll work on it. But Father, you forgive them so that I can forgive them. You know, there is a direct connection between our personal spiritual health and our willingness to forgive those who have sinned against us. There's a direct connection between our personal spiritual health and our willingness to forgive those who have sinned against us. You know, forgiveness releases God's healing power. Forgiveness releases God's healing power. And this healing power, it reaches our spiritual lives, our emotional health, our mental health. It certainly can impact our physical health. Unforgiveness affects us physically. I was reading this week and the medical community has done literal research about this spiritual principle. And you know what? It turns out God's right. Look at that. We're not meant to live offended. It does stuff to us. The medical community has done research. This is what they say. It affects our heart rate, our blood pressure, 
our immune response. Unforgiveness is medically proven, medically proven to increase your risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes. Do I sound like a TV commercial right now? I took a screenshot of an article I read this week. This is from Johns Hopkins Medical Center, and it's titled, Forgiveness, Your Health Depends on It. This isn't even from a spiritual perspective at all. Even the world acknowledges this truth. This is something that you don't even have to be spiritual at all to agree with, but the Bible corroborates with this fact that the medical community has proven that your physical health literally depends on your ability to forgive. Not just physically, emotionally, mentally, forgiveness is the key to healing. And when we live forgiven by God, when we forgive ourselves and when we forgive others, we step into the grace and the mercy of God. And when we live in that atmosphere, healing comes in all sorts of ways. Unforgiveness is a frequent block to physical, emotional, and mental healing. I want to tell you today, if you've been praying for healing on some level, physical, emotional, or mental, unforgiveness could be the thing that is blocking the healing to come. This is one of the reasons Jesus is making forgiveness such a high priority in the life of a believer, because he knows this. And so he's saying, you have to live forgiven because I literally created you to live unoffended. And when you're not, it causes a a block in your systems. Now, just as a note, if you're here today and you're sick or you're struggling physically, or maybe you know someone who is, God and I am not saying it's absolutely because you're hanging on to unforgiveness. One does not always equal the other. But what I believe God is saying and what he's reminding us is that sometimes there is cause and effect. So live in such a way that unforgiveness is never the cause. And make sure you're all cleared out so that if it's something else, you can deal with that. But if it is unforgiveness, make sure that you are living a life uh, full of grace and full of mercy so that that would never cause a physical, mental, or emotional block. Make sense? So when we fail to forgive, we actually are calling for justice demanded by the law. So follow me here for a minute. We believe that someone has sinned against us and that's not fair. And we say, okay, so they deserve to be held accountable to this. And so we take it into our own hands and we kind of we step back into the law mentality. And so we say to ourselves, I live in grace. I'm under the grace. You know, God forgives me all the time. Except for you, you, I'm going to give the freeze out. (laughs) You should not deserve that. You did that to me and I will make sure that you hear about it. Right? We say, I'm going to live under grace, but I'm going to have everyone else live under the law. Because they should get what they deserve. They should follow the law. They should get the justice. Sometimes the person who has sinned that we think needs punished is us. And we blame ourselves for committing the sin or screwing something up. And we carry the weight of guilt and shame. And we say to ourselves, well, I'm just going to live like this because I deserve it. Like, I messed my life up, so I need to feel guilty every day. I'm going to lock myself in this prison. I'm going to call for justice because the law is what will redeem me. And here's what what God is saying, is that sometimes he goes beyond our unforgiveness and he heals anyway. He's God. He gets to do what he wants. But very often, his mercy does not meet us as long as we are demanding justice. 
So as long as we are saying justice must be served, something must happen to them, that's not fair, that his mercy won't meet us. As long as we're holding others to the law, his mercy does not flow even in our own life. And when we are judging and demanding justice, we're operating in the law, not the spiritual freedom that Christ died for. Here's another um, couple verses that Jesus said. This is a zinger. You can't mistranslate this one. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Basically, the scripture says, if we don't forgive others, our faith doesn't work. Everything that comes from God comes through faith. We're in trouble without faith. And so if we want mercy, we have to give mercy. If we want to live in mercy, we need to give mercy out. If we want forgiveness and grace, we have to give it. And when we are wronged, we do not demand justice on our terms. No matter how great the offense is or was or how great the offense is coming, I want you to know today that God is greater no matter how great the offense you carry today, God is greater. And he will bring justice. He will be our vindicator. I love this passage in Isaiah 61. It says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. Uh, that word portion, it means reward. It's like a paycheck for past hurts. I, th I thought of it like this this week. It's like workman's comp. You know workman's comp? If you get hurt on the job, you get your wage replaced and your medical benefits. In fact, I, I heard recently about a woman who um, she tripped in her house, and because she was working from home, she filed a workman's comp claim. I was like, I don't know if that's how it's supposed to work. But anyway, in this world of working from home, who knows? But you get hurt on the job, you get your wage replaced, and you get your medical benefits. Well, here's what the Lord showed me. As long as you work for God, you're on his payroll. And if you get hurt on the job, he will pay you back. <laughs> He will pay you back. And you know what this scripture says? Not only will he pay you back, but he'll give you a double portion. He will give you a double portion. He is our vindicator. He's greater than any offense. And we don't have to struggle and fight and subject ourselves to the law again to make sure people get what they deserve. God is greater. And we can trust him to bring justice in the way that he chooses to do. When we forgive, we're not letting the offender off the hook. Like we're not pretending it didn't happen or we're ignoring it or we're saying no big deal. Because listen, sometimes it's a big deal. I'm not trying to minimize anybody's pain or anybody's experience today. But forgiveness is saying, listen, I was wronged. I was hurt, uh, but I'm going to let God handle it. Like you hurt me, but instead of getting back at you, instead of spending my days trying to figure out how to get back at you, I'm going to let God fix it. God will work on my behalf. God will make wrong things right. I don't have to fix it. Jesus will fix it. In fact, just this week I was talking with a friend and, uh, and I found this, this uh, meme and I sent it to her and she said, I'm going to put this on a shirt and it says, uh, if I fix it, I'm going to jail. So I'm going to let Jesus fix it. Right? 
I mean, sometimes you just want to vindicate it, right? You want to get there. And Jesus says, listen, when it comes down to it, let me be your vindicator. Let me handle it. That's what forgiveness is. It's not at all saying what that person did was right or that, or what that person did was okay to you. What it's saying is that I trust God enough to let him handle it. And so I'm going to live under grace. I'm going to let that person live under grace. I'm not going to push them under the law. And I'm going to trust that God's going to handle it. When it comes down to it, there are two really good reasons to forgive, uh, even if that have nothing to do with the other person. And the first is this. You should forgive because God has commanded it. God's commanded it. It's simple. Secondly, you should forgive because forgiveness is good for you. Forgiveness is good for your own soul, for the condition of your own soul. Forgiveness will save your marriage when nothing else will. Forgiveness will restore your family when you're totally out of options. Forgiveness will repair a broken heart. Forgiveness will bring hope and peace into a situation void of it. Forgiveness will rewrite the story. Forgiveness will open the most stubborn doors. And that's why we called this series, Forgiveness is God's Master Key. Forgiveness is God's master key. It is the master key to healing. And for the next several weeks, we're going to see how forgiveness is the master key to blessing, to peace, to freedom. He gives us this gift that we are to use continually and use freely. He gives us this powerful prayer, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. The worship team is going to come back up, and we're going to end today. And I just want to encourage you just a few action steps for this series. Uh, the first one is this. We have a special class starting this Wednesday evening, July 13th, uh, called Soul Care. This class will run several weeks. It's focused on forgiveness. So, in fact, if you've taken it before, uh, this is a new focus. It's new curriculum. So you will benefit from taking this particular session. And I want to encourage you uh, to do the deep soul work that's needed. You can sign up on the website or stop at the Next Step Center. They can help you get connected for that. Uh, but this, this class is really valuable. It really goes down to the personal level uh, to help us wrestle through forgiveness. Um, secondly, like I said earlier, mark your calendar for August 3rd for Forgiveness Night at 6 o'clock. Plan to be here. Plan to act on what God is doing inside of you. And then lastly, uh, we're going to sing this last worship song today. Um, and while we're singing, I want you to come to one of these tables we have. Uh, I have four across the room. There's two here in the middle and two up front. And on the tables, um, we, we bought for you these keys, okay? And um, they're, they're master keys. And what I want you to do is take one and put it somewhere that it will remind you this month of what we're talking about. Maybe in your car, on your kitchen sink when you're washing dishes, on your key ring, whatever it is. And as you do this, as you see this throughout the week, I want you to ask the Lord to work in your life in this area. Forgiveness is always a process. It, it's never like one, one hour worship service. That, that usually doesn't do it. Maybe miraculously sometimes. But it's this effort every day to say, God, I, I, I want to forgive. I want to forgive the way you forgive. And so we got to put this in a place that you're going to see it. Now, listen, it's a risky prayer, but I'm believing that as you pray this spiritual truth this month, real, genuine life change will begin. 
In fact, I believe that some of you that have been praying for healing, physical, emotional, or mental, that at the end of this month, you are gonna get the healing you've been praying for because you're gonna wrestle through the unforgiveness that maybe is in there and you didn't even know. And God's gentle with us. I mean, he'll meet us right where we are. But I'm asking the Lord that as you take these and you just put them places that you're gonna look at them, that God will meet you in those moments and that you can genuinely pray, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And I know he's gonna do an awesome work in our lives. So would you stand? We're gonna pray. And then, like I said, I want you to come during the song and grab a key uh, off of one of these tables to take home with you. If, if you're uh, here today and someone couldn't come with you, grab one for them. We want everyone to have one. But let me pray for us today. Father, go now where my words can't go, deep into the hearts of those who are listening today. Help us discover the freedom that comes from being a great forgiver. The freedom that comes from being more like you. Father, we know that there's gonna be opportunity to be offended. There's gonna be people and and places and organizations and and even government structures and and things that we're gonna be offended by. But God, I pray we will not take the bait. God, as the end grows near, we won't take the bait that we would live under the grace that you want us to, that we will hold other people accountable to that same grace and that you would help us live in freedom. You would break the chain of hurts that bind us to the past, that you would show us what we must do and you would give us the strength to do it. God, thank you for this tool, this master key, Lord God, this tool of forgiveness that with your help, we can extend forgiveness to others. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And it's in your merciful and gracious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you come and worship and get your key?
for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the forgiveness that you offer. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray we can be more like you. God, help us forgive. I pray that these keys will help us remember what we're working towards as believers in you. We love you. We give you praise. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.